Hey everyone, and welcome to the Space Between Podcast, getting you from where you are to where you want to be. I'm your host, Vernon Ross, and whether it be in business, life, relationships, money, health, there's always a place, the place where you currently are, and that goal, that place you want to be. We're going to explore this space because it is fascinating, the journey between where you currently are and where you want to get to. Sometimes getting to that place you define as success, sometimes it's just the next step. I'm going to be talking to interesting people that have done amazing things in life. We're going to be talking to everyday people because we're all everyday people. And I want to know at the end of the show what's your in between. So definitely make sure to reach out to me. Let me know what that is. And we're going to go ahead and get into the show. Today, I've got a really special guest. Uh, She was actually one of my very early guests on the Social Strategy Podcast. We did an in-person interview, uh, actually right, I think it was at FinCon uh, here in St. Louis. It was a wonderful interview. I had a great time talking to her, learned a lot. And we're both still podcasters after many, many years. And Jamie actually has one of the most successful podcast that I've seen as far as uh, iTunes and interviewing millionaires, people that have reached that pinnacle to where everyone's trying to get to in their online and some offline businesses. But what she's done over the past few years is she's actually taken that and kind of flipped it a little bit. And she's the coach to these millionaires to help them get even further. And so it'd be a great thing for you guys to take in, kind of learn how you get from really successful to really, really successful. So Jamie, welcome to the show. I love that intro. Thank you. Really successful to really, really successful. That's great. (laughs) So what's been going on? (laughs) Good question. Uh, It's funny when you were talking about some of that stuff too, like back in the day, I don't know if you knew, I was a coach to millionaires before I even started Eventual Millionaire. Did you know that? I did know that. Oh, well then. (laughs) (laughs) Just checking, just checking. I did know that. So, you know, think, thinking about that or talking about that, I remember talking to you at FinCon, and uh, actually, you were how I got the Andrew Warner interview. Sweet. So I it was works. yes, I was in your session, and you were talking about Andrew Warner, and uh, he was saying that you were one of the best interviews at the time that he had ever done, and you're like, so you should take action if you want to interview someone, just send them a quick email. This is what he said do, and. So I did it in the room and he responded back literally that day (laughs) and we ended up having an interview and it was amazing. Yeah, it was great. And it changed the whole direction of my show because it was, it was a rough interview. It was Oh my God. Yeah. He, he flipped the script on me and it was, it was episode number eight (laughs) and I'll (laughs) never forget that one, but it was good. It was good. It was very cathartic and I learned a lot and uh, I'm actually pretty cool with Andrew now after that one. So (laughs) he's hardcore. He's super hardcore. hardcore. I hung out with him a couple of weeks ago uh, here in Austin. And yeah, even he turned, we had a big uh, founders kind of dinner with a lot of really like big names and stuff like that. And he literally was like, drilling the entire people so that's he's that kind of guy better watch out when i re-interview him for sure exactly exactly so tell me a little bit about how did you get started with the whole coaching millionaires thing it's not just something you just end up doing (laughs) 
right. Wham, bam, go. Born that way. Right. Um, so I actually found a mentor back in the day. I was probably 24 years old. I had a degree in computers and worked in um, project management, video on demand. I was quote unquote successful. I don't know. I think I told mm. my origin story a little bit more on the other one if they want to pop into that. But I made six figures at a young age, thought I was pretty cool and then realized I hated my life, that kind of whole story. <laughs> and so I found a mentor and uh, he's still a very good mentor to this day, but he had sold a million dollar business and he sort of showed me the ropes uh, this young, still got carded for R-rated movies looking <laughs> main girl, right? <laughs> and so, but I worked with him for two or three years um, and that's where I really started building my chops, right? So being able to go into these businesses that did $3 million a year and me going, <laughs> I hope what I'm saying is correct. That's great, right? But but I'd always run back and check with him and stuff. So that was sort of the beginning of really understanding the coaching process and getting better at the coaching slash consultant. I do a lot of, I mean, it's a, a very fine line in general, um, mm -hmm. but I do both of those pieces. When I went online though, Eventual Millionaire was just a debt-free blog. And so it's, you're talking about the evolution of brands. It's an interesting thing. It, my goal with Eventual Millionaire was literally to learn how to blog and not have it have anything to do with my coaching. That was right. the goal. I actually owned businesslevelup.com. I was going to build out this whole like tech business coaching website back in the day because that made more logical sense than my eventual yeah, millionaire. Sense, I was trying right? to, yeah, I tried to like shift eventual millionaire into the coaching thing because it got on CNN and all these, you know, big shows. Um, and so it's interesting talking about now, I mean, many, many years, I started in 2010, Mm -hmm. uh, which was a long time ago. Um, and because eventual millionaire was just really amazing, an amazing way to be able to network with millionaires. I mean, I still, to this day, get introductions every single day to millionaires and yeah. how else could I ever have gotten that in a million years? So I've kept that piece going, but what we've really built up is the, is the coaching side, the, I mean, I told you about the um, new brand that we have coming out, that sort of stuff all has happened within the last two, three years because of the evolution of eventual millionaire. I was telling you right before, no, none of my clients want to wear an eventual millionaire shirt because most of them are millionaires and it's kind of <laughs> right. like weird. So <laughs> <laughs> no, so I get it. That makes no, it a makes, big difference. Yeah, it makes total sense. So when you start talking about your brand, you, you think about, you know, where you came from. I know you got a lot of coverage, uh, actually a lot of media coverage when you told your debt story. I think you wrote, you wrote for, uh, was it Yahoo Money or CNN yep. Money? It was something like that? Was oh. it, it was Yahoo? Yeah. I was on Yahoo. I was on Yahoo's homepage. I did videos with Yahoo. I did videos with CNN. Yeah, all sorts of fun stuff for that debt. It was a good. It was a good story. Apparently, it worked really well. Right, and you were kind of hanging around in the the money space for a while because you were telling a money story, but that wasn't really where your brand was going. You were kind of like the the podcaster who had a money story, so you kind of fit in that. that well, area, let me let me of? give you some failure pieces. <laughs> It brings you up to speed. So, so because I started as it, it was eventual millionaire was all about my debt free journey when I very first right. started back in 2006. Right. And so when I, when I started trying to learn, when I finally went to my mentor, Hey, I really think I should be online. He was like, well, I can't afford to go online and pay you for all the the time. Right. Cause the way that we had our, our deal structured. Um, and I was like, well, I really want to do this on my own. So I took eventual millionaire as like a, my testing ground, right? So I started blogging 
just to try and learn this thing called blogging, right? Mm -hmm. And so it was nothing <laughs> to do. Like it was not supposed to be the coaching side of things. But once CNN picked it up, it was six months after I started, CNN picked it up, Yahoo picked it up, Kipling as personal finance picked it up, all these things picked it up. I was like, ooh, well maybe I'll go down the whole making courses for debt-free people. And I tried that. And I, it didn't totally work. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I did not know that. <laughs> I don't really share that very often. So good job, interviewer. Um, but so I start. Don't get me wrong. Like I ran some betas. I had some classes. And but the difference between it felt like I was starting a whole new business, right? I'm like I have all this experience as business coach, working with really high profile like big businesses, and I am for $27 teaching people how to mm. get out of debt. It was very incongruent, right? Yeah. And so don't get me wrong, it, it taught me a lot of lessons on courses and and how to do some of this. And, and I was trying to blend in the money coaching side mm -hmm. um, because, I mean, I got such early traction on those pieces. I was like, oh, this is perfect. Um, but I had a heck of a time. And so what I ended up doing was going, well, how, because I was spending so much time on the eventual millionaire site and it had so much traction. I was like, can I, you know what? Eventual millionaire kind of works for the business side. Let's just do this. Right. Like it was a, it was a morphed brand. It never actually came from that, that origin. Right. And so it's always, it's always been an amazing thing. Don't get me wrong. Once I started the podcast, it made a lot more logical sense to be like, Oh, you interview millionaires and it's all about business and millionaires. So right. it became congruent, but it was definitely not intended at the beginning to be that. No, that's interesting because it, I, I think one of the things that people miss is that no matter what you're doing, it is just as hard to sell a $27 thing as it is to sell a $27,000 thing. The sales Seriously. process is the same. Well, a little sort, bit different, but yeah. Sort of. I mean, yes. it, there's a little little more details. You may have to take a little bit more time. The The sales yeah. cycle may you're be still longer. Getting a yes, though. You're right. Exactly. You're, right. you're still getting yes. Exactly. Right. But I mean, it, sometimes it can take just as much work to get the $27 thing up and going. Seriously, that's what it felt like. Big yeah. time. Yeah. No, that's, that's interesting. I think people will take from that. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe I, if, if my prices are low, maybe I need to raise my price and not be so afraid of charging more for the thing that I do, especially if it's more specialized and maybe getting a little bit more specialized in the thing that they do to not necessarily try to make it align with a brand just because it seems like it aligns. Does that make sense to you? It, do it does. And I just want to highlight for me, I looked at the metrics of it and went people in debt. I don't feel right charging them more. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I want to help them to the degree that they, that is a massive value for them. And when I did the metrics, I was like, Oh my gosh, the amount of work I have to do to try and right. Especially right. at the beginning when my list is really small, like trying to go, wow, I could sell one coaching client at the time. I think I was $200 250 an hour or something like that. Mm -hmm. One coaching client could be months of work on the yeah. opposite side. Hmm. It just, I mean, I had babies at the time. It just didn't make logical sense. Right. Yeah. Your kids are older now, right? They're like in their teens. <gasps> Almost. My son just turned 12 and my daughter's nine. And oh they're going to an entrepreneur kids school now too. And thank goodness. <laughs> it's wonderful. But oh, yeah, awesome. it, yeah, it's, it's when they're older, I have more time to do things. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful life. Thank goodness. Yeah. So you were doing all of this stuff as a mom, not, not a single mom, but co-parenting uh, at the time. And that's crazy in itself to even <laughs> find time to do all of this stuff. 
Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I still work 30-ish hours a week on the weeks that I have the kiddos. And then like I didn't have them this weekend and I work my butt off all weekend because I love to work. And so thankfully, um, and my former husband and we all have Christmases together and, and it's really worked out really, really well. Um, but yeah, it's still a lot, <laughs> a lot to have uh, everything on your shoulders. You know what I mean? Especially what I have employees now and all that fun stuff. Um, it's a lot of pressure being a business owner just in general, especially going, Ooh, I'm sort of created this thing going, I think this works. And every business owner, I mean, I work with so many business owners, right. And it literally, this is what business is. It's like, I think, I think this will be good. (laughs) I'm pretty sure this is going to work, right? We have no data from uh, all the stuff that we're, we're testing and trying. So it's a wonderful, rocky, amazing journey for everybody, no matter how successful you are. No, that's awesome. So digging a little bit into uh, your new brand is called owner box. And when I hear that, I'm like, Oh, it's a subscription service. (laughs) What do you get? (laughs) (laughs) that's a great question back in the day when that mentor that I was mentioning um he used to say this all the time and this is sort of the the origin of it he goes you don't want to be in the CEO box or wearing any of the hats in business you want to be in the owner box and I was like oh yeah right like of course I want to be in the owner box I don't want to be I don't want to have to do all of the pieces in business and so that's that's what we've been working with my one-on-one clients and and group and mastermind and all that sort of stuff from before but what we did is we just sort of shifted it into it now I've always I've had a thing for boxes since I was little I don't know why I love boxes (laughs) and so we're we definitely send out boxes now um but it's and it's um it's not like a monthly subscription box though. That's like a hundred bucks that you get all the stuff. It's like a real <laughs> program that we actually coach you and work with you and stuff. And it has boxes. So side note. <laughs> that's interesting. So what do they get in the box? Is it like the binder and I can't tell you that. No, <laughs> no, they get, so I'm a, so one of my love languages is gifts by the way. So I send things to my client. I'm a weird uh, fan of random things. Um, and so we send like waterproof notepads. We send nootropic testing packs at the beginning. It depends on which um, month they're in. So each, um, each month has a specific like system and, and thing they're working on. So if it's onboarding, it's different. If it's um, the initial ones have to do with the owner a lot more. So it's nootropics and the waterproof notepad that you actually have in the shower for your ideas. Let's just fun little neat stuff to make it more enjoyable for you. That's interesting. Plus so, the plus the content. Don't get me wrong. Like that, right, that's right. in it too. <laughs> well, well, of course the content's going to be there. But I think it's interesting um, how you've taken basically a blog and the coaching that you were doing and a podcast and turned it into a full on coaching business that pretty much caters to high income individuals. So something that you talk about. Uh, there's an intro video on, on Jamie's website when you go out there to ownerbox.com. Uh, where she's kind of going through the process and you take people that are making twenty, thirty thousand dollars a month and you free up their time. What's what's part of the process for doing that? I love this question. Okay. So, and it depends, of course, I'm starting a new um, beta show about this because I do not turnarounds. The people I work with are smart. Don't get me wrong. They're making like 20 plus thousand a year. Sometimes they're making seven figures already, but there are (laughs) lots of things that can be worked on, right? Mm -hmm. I like to say that the initial thing that we do is low hanging fruit. So you, you, you don't know what you don't know. 
And so because I've worked in so many businesses, I go, hmm, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Right. So the initial stages are actually having them time track. And I'll actually share um, with your audience if uh, and I think I'm trying to remember the the link that my um, assistant just sent. But um, we have all this documentation that I can actually give to you for some of this um, for the time audits. Because when you actually have somebody actually do a time audit for three to five days, I know everybody hears about this and they're Mm -hmm. like, I know I'm supposed to do it. It is ridiculously eye-opening. So when I hop on a call after they've actually gone through the the time audit, they're all like, all right, I know, (laughs) right? Either they thought they were working 70 hours a week and they aren't, right? Not productive work anyway, right? Taking the the breaks in between, all that fun stuff. It just feels like you're working all the time. Mm -hmm. Or they have an eye-opening moment that they're doing the stuff that they're not supposed to, right? Like, oh, when you're timing, you really understand like, hmm. Probably shouldn't be doing this, but I am anyway because it's quote unquote easier. So it gets you that on the business overlook instead of the in the business. That's where we start when we start going into the low hanging fruit. Sometimes it's team structure and we'll work on the team box. Each uh, We have different boxes for different types of, of systems that we have. Um, and so for the team box, for example, we can reshift their entire team structure. A lot of times as you're growing, especially um, 20, 30,000 a month, you're still the hub right? People talk about being the bottleneck all the time, but you're actually the hub of information and problem solving. And when you are the only hub of problem solving, everybody comes to you. So one of the first things we do is create an escalation plan, right? Process for you. So people can't go to you. They have to go to one of your other team members first, because if they can go to one of your other team members, that saves you the interruption, which I just did a video on the data on this. It's 23 minutes. It used to be like back in the day, they said it was nine. But when you get interrupted, it takes you 23 minutes to get back to the the state that you were in, potentially a flow or whatever, um, of where you were before. So anytime, whether it be on Skype or Slack or, you know, bombarded by uh, information nowadays, if your team interrupts you, that's not only time from you, but if you interrupt your team, that's time from them that you're paying them to get back on track too. So that's like the initial stages of where we start. Um, we do a lot of other things on the team side with, um, team meetings and agendas and all that fun stuff too. But depending on where they are, it depends on um, what they really need. If they, we, we move the boxes around depending on what I think <laughs> it's all about what I think, uh, what I think is priority <laughs> for them. Right. Right. Like, don't do this, go do this. So if it's, if team structure is one of the first things we, we bump that box up. If it's something with sales, cause their, their sales workflow or their onboarding is having issues. We bump that one up. It just depends on what I think the 80, 20 of the systems are. Cause mm-hmm. if we can 80, 20, what the systems are, then they'll have more time, right. To be able to actually implement all the other stuff that I want them to implement. Does that all make sense? Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. You know, something that you mentioned is you want to, you want to work on your business and not in your business. And I Mm -hmm. think people throw that around a lot, but I don't know if (laughs) people really dig into what that means. So for a solopreneur, um, you know, a guy that he's running an online business, maybe it has, um, online offline elements like a videographer, uh, Mm -hmm. they're, they're very successful. They deal with small businesses, how do you get that person to move from being just that solo person to possibly bringing on an assistant and understanding that they need to? <laughs> I slap them. No. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of slapping. Uh, well, so you can, I'm logical, right? Degree in computers, super geek. So I can lay out the dollarization of what they're doing, right? So if they charge 100, 150 an hour or whatever the, the thing is, and you just run the numbers and go, so having somebody at $15 an hour as an assistant 
doing all these things for you allows you to double your income. Hmm, who knew? Right. Mm. And so, um, and I see a lot of times people are, are going into VAs and stuff like that. And, and that's definitely a good start. Um, learning how to be a good manager, a good delegator, a good leader takes time. Um, so if you want to start with a VA first, though, the, the cost wise and stuff like that, it depends on, on the business before I recommend a VA versus actually getting somebody who's a real assistant that can, dedicate their time for you. I see a lot of businesses, um, or people that are solopreneurs, as soon as they actually get a real employee, they act more like a real business owner, to tell you the truth. Like VAs, it's easy to be like, well, it's not really, but when you have somebody's whole life on the line, right, you are their income. It makes you step up. How wonderful is that? It did for me. I remember I used to have VAs all the time. Uh, but it was sort of hit or miss. No, I was like, eh, like I was getting better at delegating. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. This was many years ago. And then I had a business coach. She was like, I was going through, um, the same process many, many years ago. And she goes, why don't you have an assistant? I'm like, I, I don't know. So I started, um, hiring for a 30 to 40 hour a week assistant. And <laughs> I found a really good qualified applicant, but I was like super scared to pull the trigger because I mean, it was, it was a lot of cash flow, and I mean, one or two clients would have covered it, but you know, it's commitment people commitment. <laughs> and, uh, and she slapped me and she went, Jamie, if you can't hire her, I will. Cause she's fantastic. And I was like, okay. <laughs> right. And she was the best thing I could do at the time. You know, it was, it was huge for my own commitment to myself to be able to step into the role that I needed to be. And that's how you evolve as a business owner. It's outside of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. You're like, all right, let's go. So for the videographer, um, when you're looking at, at what they're doing, there is going to be a gap, right? And I, that's why I love the 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 name of your podcast and stuff. There's always a gap. There's yeah. no matter how successful you want to be, there's always going to be a big gap because you always want to get better, right? And then, and then when you start getting more successful, then you don't want to lose what you already have. Like, oh no, there's two ways you can go. Darn it, yeah. right? When you're starting at the beginning, please understand that that is kind of good because you can't go down from there, really. Um, but being able to really move forward and and know that each one of those gaps takes a, a little bit of a jump to be able to get into, right? that getting outside of your comfort zone really makes a difference. So when we talk about on the business versus in it, the videographer needs to be able to see the force for the trees, right? I know that's a cheesy uh, thing also, <laughs> but, but being able to have either an outsider perspective, because they're going to keep doing what they know and what's comfortable is just mm-hmm. sort of the way that, that it works. Um, and so it takes a bit of a, a hard swallow to be like, okay, I'm going to go do this thing. But logically, looking at the numbers, it makes sense. And so being able to have them pull that trigger and know that there's going to be new learning and know that they're probably going to lose money a little bit at first because there's training and they have to learn what the heck they're doing. But that is the growth that they that they need that will make the business what it really needs instead of just being the solo side, if that's what they want, of course. Right. No, that makes perfect sense. So when you're... Um... When you're talking to entrepreneurs, and I'm I'm sure you get a lot of people that they're not quite at that. Now, I think I'm going to change this one for a sec. So I have a lot of people in my audience. I was looking at a couple things from people that I got, uh, not, not necessarily questions, but a couple emails from people. And they're at that transition stage where their business is making money, but they still have a job. Mm-hmm. And they're like, when do I make the jump? Because although I'm making money, it's just me and I have a job and I don't know what 
I'm going to do and when do I hire someone? Should I hire someone before I, I quit or after? <laughs> how do you how do you get to that point of making that transition? Yep. Okay. Ready? <laughs> so, um, I, I'm uh, not risk averse. I'm not, I'm very calculated in my risks. Right. And so, so to me, I'm not the person to be like, I'll just pull the trigger and figure it out. Right. Um, because hiring is kind of interesting also. Um, so what I would do is I would give yourself two to three months and go, and this is actually what I did too. Thinking back. Um, I got more clients first. Because I was scared to go, ooh, commitment <laughs> of, right. of cash flow is an interesting thing. You, something has to give. And so um, whatever the example is, if it's a videographer and they're, they're in that spot right now, mm -hmm. I would go take on three more clients. Tell your wife or your significant other that it's going to suck for a little bit because it will, right? Because now you're doing <laughs> even more than you think you, you could do. Right. Um, because at that point, when you're at capacity, you have a job, you're like, oh, no, I'm already like tapped out. Right. But there has to be that momentum, um, or at least for me, there had to be that momentum because I had to feel good about the cash flow and yeah. knowing. And for me, when I get a client, it's at least six months. So I knew for the next six months I was going to be all set as far as cash flow goes. I was like, oh, crap, I don't have any time to train them now. But there are solutions to that also. Right. And so when you when you do that gap of, uh, OK, I'm going to figure this thing out, number one. Being able to um, understand that, hey, I can get more clients as needed. So if I have more capacity and figuring out that sales process is going to be a win-win for you anyway in the long term. Because if you actually do give up some of the admin tasks, which is huge, you'll mm -hmm. have more time for all those people anyway. The goal with hiring that new employee is to really free up your time. That's the whole point, right? right. So you can be more of the the hats that you're best at in, in the job, right? So sales, usually I have a client in OwnerBox who has an amazing uh, agency, just give us a testimonial. He, well, number one, he finally got to go on vacation after three years, which is uh, 13 years, sorry, which is amazing. But he has more time to do sales. So his sales has gone insane because as a business owner, because you have a job, quote unquote, you're delivering a lot of the work. You don't have time. You barely any time for sales. So when you're doing that time tracking and you can go, wow, I did sales for an hour. Like I did prospecting and sales for an hour this week. Imagine if I did four hours. Right. Right. That's its weight in gold for that assistant. That pays for the assistant. So just knowing that you have a two or three month gap of transition time to get to that point, that's what you have to rely on and just go, all right, it's time. I got to put up or shut up. Let's go. <laughs> right? <laughs> Move forward. Uh, and then, but, but to me, that's, that's the, um, what it takes in order to get past the the scaredness, right? Like my daughter the other day wanted to get her ears pierced and could not pull the trigger, right? And she was so <laughs> upset at herself. I've been through right? that. Right. And so, and so what's so tough, I'm like, I love it because it's such a learning lesson and it's such a highlighted learning lesson for, for me on the entrepreneurial side. There's stuff that I could be way better at pulling the trigger at too, right? To see her go through that. It's the same thing that entrepreneurs go through. Like, I know I want this, but dot, 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 when is that moment? And it really does only take a moment, a decision, a deep breath, right? That ear piercing thing would have taken a two minutes at the most of pain, right? At the very most, it's not even that bad. And yet being unwilling to even, even take up that, um, deep breath, right? The, the short term pain makes it so that she can't have earrings for the rest of her life. I mean, hopefully she'll one day be able to do it, but, right. 
But I was like, well, when you're 16, eventually you'll 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 be able to deal deal with whatever that pain is. But but that's what really entrepreneurship is all about. How quickly can we handle those levels of stress and and get better for them? Because the faster one of the um, biggest tips that I've gotten from all the millionaire interviews that I've done, I've done almost 500 now, which is insane, is that their speed of implementation is way faster than most people. So, and that's what's so easy to see on the time audits, the people that are really focused on speed of implementation in a specific area, get feedback, whether it's a failure, or whether it's not a failure, they get feedback faster, which means then they can tweak faster, which means they can make it better faster. Does that make sense? And so uh, that's sort of the whole working on the business side. If you start pushing forward on the things that really do matter, that's how your business is going to grow faster by making that speed of implementation time and that feedback loop shorter. Right now that makes perfect sense. Yeah. The quicker you fail at something, the quicker you can pivot. Yes. Easier said than done though, for sure. <laughs> right. Right. Cause you got to get over the failure or at least the hiccup before you can move forward. But the quicker you do it, the, the more success you have because you're trying new stuff. And it, like you said, it, it's, it sounds easy, but it's definitely not easy. I'm going to even give you an example from Underbox. What's tough is that I already had success. So I was like, oh man, I don't want to go out until I know it's really good. Right. Like I didn't want to tell anybody about it (laughs) because, and don't get me wrong. Like the reason just to, to back up the reason why we created it was because I was working with all of these owners and systems, typically owners are more visionary right? Mm-hmm. So systems are, are something they know they want, they know they need, they don't really want to do them, right? Not not from their perspective, but there's a lot of decisions and, and breaking down the details that need to be happening. So if they don't have somebody who is already amazing at systems, they they start to become lacking. And and I noticed that every time I put them on the action items for the week, they, they'd sort of slip to the bottom, <laughs> right? right? Oh, yeah. Right. Because it's not really uh, urgent. Right. We know it's important, but it's not urgent. They kind of slip to the bottom. So what we do in OwnerBox is we work with their team and being able to work with their right hand and train their right hand and get the decisions from the owner speeds that whole process up, which then allows them to have extra time. Right. But the thing is, is that so we started doing this internally and, and breaking out the and mapping the whole system of everything that I've been doing just so that I wouldn't be the only coach and it's all in my head. Right. So we started mapping out all those things. But when it came to like telling anybody about it, I'm like, I don't want to tell anyone like I'm working on this new thing. Right. Because because I, ha- I used to be a big perfectionist. Right. Um, and recovering perfectionist for sure. But I still have tendencies. And so I was like, well, we need to get this. We hired like three copywriters. I didn't like any of them. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so so don't get me wrong. It's not it's not all perfection behind the scenes for any business. But I know that from being in hundreds and hundreds of businesses, like we're literally going, hey, I think this is good. What are my self-limiting issues because mm-hmm. it's the owner's self-limiting issues typically that cause the most problems. Like I hate asking for things. So even, even for getting on podcasts, we we're getting on a whole bunch of podcasts. My right hand does all that. I don't have to ask. It's great. Right. <laughs> right? I'm not good at that. I'm great at sales calls. When people are already on, on sales calls with me, I'm amazing at those. But the initial ask, I hate that stuff. So Leilani does a lot of it now. And to be able to have to know what my strengths are and level those things up and to be able to actually um, move faster because I'm not holding my own self back is a huge, huge quality. And but I can admit it to everybody here, too. Right. Like I do that stuff, too. All right. Now, I think that's really cool to be able to to be self-aware enough to know where your strengths are and where they're not. And I think that brings up 
an interesting topic when you kind of touched on sales. Because have you run into entrepreneurs, because I know I've run into a few, that they're in business, but the sales is all, have almost been accidental. <laughs> They yep. they, ha- they haven't really like gone out and and sold sold. They've they've run into customers. They've been referred customers, and they've never really had to engage in the sales process. So they get to a certain level of success, but they can't seem to break into a, a level of success to where they actually have some freedom to do anything else because they're they're always it's these one or two clients, and if they lose these one or two clients, they're out of business. Yeah. Hills and valleys, right? Where yeah. we're like, oh, try and sell, but you don't know exactly how you got sold the other ones that you have. Yeah. I mean, every business owner starts from, or or beginning business owner starts from a different set of skills, right? And I, I was horrible at sales, so I can't really say anything. <laughs> I'm way better now. But when you don't realize that that's what you're lacking, it's really tough. It's really, really tough. And having somebody be able to do an analysis on your business and really explain <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that if you level that one piece up, it'll make a huge difference in your business. I mean, hopefully they can they can meet somebody that can give them that advice. But I, I mean, I see it all the all the time too. It, it, I just did. Um, I went out to Boulder with one of my uh, friends. She's got a business, and she um, had a bunch of business owners that were hanging out. And some of them were newer, like young. Well, I call them young kids now. Young, they're like twenty five. <laughs> they're young. <laughs> they're not young. They're young to me. Um, and and that was the thing. They're amazing at their craft, and they were more focused on honing their craft better. I'm like, you're. 99% better than half the people when, when is a photographer, videographer, um, 99% better than the people that I've seen. Like I hire videographers and, and photographers all the time. And I was like, your stuff is just as good as the guy I just paid a thousand dollars for two hours. Right. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so know your stuff is really good, but you suck at sales. Like you, <laughs> you are not great. <laughs> right. And I just met him. I was like, dude, I end up coaching everyone I hang out with just so we're clear. It's sort of an obsession of mine. Uh, hence the reason why I still do it. Um, but, but being able to have him go, wow, you are, that's the only thing that's holding me back right now from the level of income that I know I want. Um, and being okay with the fact that his skill set is really, really good. And I go, even if, even if your skill set isn't what you want, you would fix it. So like you got that in spades, right? And so giving him permission to go, oh, wow, I am actually really good at this and I can actually focus on something else. Right. Right. That, that gives them the ability to go, oh, if I level up this one piece, my whole business changes and then he can get an assistant. Right. Because then his sales cycle changes. Mm-hmm. It's really eye opening to people. I love I love that eye opening moment of oh, that makes more sense. Right. Because then they're more motivated because they see that the the goal that they set for themselves. I think he had a ten thousand dollar a month goal. I'm like, that's only this many clients. And he's like, wow wait, you're right. I'm like, well, you've already done this. You've had this many clients, just get better at sales and get this many clients. And he's like, huh, wow, you make it sound so easy. And that's, that's the funny thing. It's not easy because he has to learn how to do sales, which is a pain in the butt, but it's simple. True. Right. So, so learning those things and knowing what to focus on, I think is, is hugely important for any business owner. We think we have to do it all at once and we don't, it's a, we live in a timeline, right? right. <laughs> we can, we can do one chunk at a time and get better and realize, and this is one of the other pieces that we really do in OwnerBox and I've learned over the years is leveling, leveling up on those strengths, like really understanding what your strengths really are mm-hmm. and leveling up on those. And of course, having other people ideally in your business that are better than you at everything else. Um, Leilani, who's my amazing right hand, like literally if somebody chopped off my arm, if she's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's exactly what she is. 
um, she's amazing at details. And I used to, in my former life, be a project manager. So I can do details. I just don't want to, right? Like it's not my zone of genius, but it is for her to the nth degree. And I know people have heard that before, but that's the whole goal in business to, to be able to only do the stuff that gets you in flow, that gets you excited. How amazing is that? And having an amazing team member or a couple of team members that do amazingness also, and they feel in flow and really good doing the work that they love. I mean, that's the best it can get regardless of how quote unquote successful you are to me. Right. No, that's, that's, that's kind of the perfect balance of where you want to be. So taking the guy for example that you were talking about, um, he knows he needs to be better at sales and he's like, okay, I can, I can increase my, my income if I just, you know, bring on these however many more clients, what's one tip that you can tell them to get better at sales with? <laughs> one tip. I gave way more than one. Oh, I know. <laughs> I sent him a whole uh, video series on how I learned how to do sales. Yeah. Um, well, number one, I told him that he needs to increase his level of prospecting because mm -hmm. I'm like, well, how many sales calls do we have right now? Um, and he wasn't really doing any prospecting at all. So we talked about a couple actions he could take every single month that had to do with prospecting. Number one, we had, I had to make a prospecting list with all the names of the people that he already knew that he was too scared to actually pull the trigger and ask for a sales call on. So that was initial step number one. Um, but then getting better at the actual sales call. So I gave mm -hmm. him some scripts and a video that really talked about that. I mean, back in the day, I learned from Sandler sales training way back in the day. And I was oh, like, yeah. I, I was like. So I, so bad at sales. Like I would shake. Oh, that's hardcore. <laughs> that's hardcore, Sandler. They, <laughs> oh, yeah. man, coming from a girl that hated. Well, I work. I think I told you I worked for Kirby Vacuum Cleaners. So I thought sales were were skeezy and horrible anyway. So I had a whole <laughs> bunch of issues before, right? And my mentor was amazing at it, um, because he he's like, it's not about selling to. So the definition to me of a used car salesman is selling somebody something that they don't want. Like I remember mm -hmm. when I was 16, a uh, used car salesman trying to sell me a minivan. I'm like, I'm 16. There's no way I'm <laughs> going to get a minivan, right? Like I'm way too cool for that. But that if you have something that could actually be a perfect fit for what they want, that is not skeezy. Now, if you, if you're selling them something and you really don't think it would be a good fit, that's where it's crappy. Mm -hmm. But if you can actually align what they want with what you want, that makes sales actually ethical. Huh? Who knew? Right. right exactly. Um, and so, and so I had to get over that big piece. And then there was the tactic side of asking questions and getting better. But I really do feel like the sales training actually made me be a better coach. Anyway, the coaching made me be a better salesperson. I just try and align, um, the outcomes with, with what everybody wants. And that's sort of what I was explaining to him too. Mm -hmm. Right. I go, even if you're too expensive for whoever this is, have somebody that is lesser, that's a newer photographer and recommend them. Like you're not, this is not bad. You should hop on a sales call with everyone, get as much possible experience. So you know how to handle it. And it's really just an experience and, and doing it over and over and over again thing that's going to make it different. If you did 10 sales calls a day, every day for a year, I mean, you'd be good. So why don't we level that piece up more, whether you sell them or whether you don't, the experience of getting to know that stuff is really important. Right. Yeah. I think you touched on probably like one of the most important parts of the sales process that so many people hate and they skip over and they avoid is prospecting. <laughs> and the pro building a prospecting list and then actually picking up the phone and calling those people, but not drilling them for sales, 
like the you know proverbial used car salesman, but actually asking questions about their business and then how you can provide value. Well, exactly. So that's to me. I, I care about humans who knew, right? So like, you don't have to go in for the kill. You can ask them. So one of the, one of the things that I do with anybody, like I just had um, somebody send me an email about masterminds and I'm not running my mastermind this year. And so, um, I started asking them just a bunch of questions like, Oh, I know tons of people with tons of masterminds. No, I'm not actually selling them anything, <laughs> but I, I want to know the best fit for them either way. So, so to me, that's what the conversations are, whether they need you, you specifically or not those initial conversations are, what do you need? I know a ton of people. I do introductions every single day. So you're mm-hmm. going to get value, whether I sell you or not, you're, I'm hopefully, hopefully going to uh, make your life better from just talking to me. That's my goal. And if that's the case, then, I mean, they'll come back, they'll refer, they'll do that sort of thing anyway, even if right now it's not a perfect fit, especially the tough thing with photography or, or videography, like, it's a timing thing, right? Like, Hey, I need new photos or Hey, I don't <laughs> like, I just, <laughs> Right. So it's it's staying on top of mind, but it's still making sure that they know that you're the the right person for the job by providing them value even before you start. So to me, I'm all about the the value add type of thing. And thankfully now, I mean, I've got my own process. So like even just to talk to me for a sales call, you have to go and talk to Leilani for 15 minutes. So she pre-qualifies you. Right. Like I have a whole. So I don't have to really do any of that stuff. Uh, Wonderful. And she's she's amazing to chat with, too. But um, but we have that type of sales process. But I've done both. Right. Like we've, I've, I used to have to drive 30 minutes to go talk to a prospect in Maine that sometimes was just like not even a little bit interested. So drive 30 minutes out, do an hour call, <laughs> chat for a really long time, drive 30 minutes back, go to the next one, 45 minutes away. And I worked 20 hours a week. My kids were like babies. So I was like, this is crazy. That's the reason why I wanted to go online. Cause it does make that process right. a lot easier. No, Absolutely. Well, you know, Jamie, it has been amazing, and I think that you know the the owner box thing that is really interesting. I, I uh, it, it has it fully launched yet, or are you still kind of in beta? It's totally launched. Yes, <laughs> apparently I don't tell many people about it, but yes, no, we did. We ran two to three different betas beforehand and really honed it. And now it's ready for the real world. Everybody's been loving it, so I guess it's ready. <laughs> nice. No, I mean, if if anything, if the takeaway from this, guys, is a lot of the stuff that Jamie's been talking about is part of the processes that's within OwnerBox. And this isn't an, an ad for OwnerBox, but I know Jamie, I've known her for a long time. I trust her advice because there's still stuff that are that's in my processes just from conversations mm-hmm. that we've had that I still use to this day, like Rescue Time. You were the person that told me about Rescue Time. Really? Yes. Uh, and I still use it. It's still running. It's on my computer. I know exactly. I was like, oh, I've been on Facebook a little too much and not in the ads manager. So, <laughs> you know, Well, I just got a new uh, toy. It's called Timular. Someone sent it to me and it's a little thing that sits. So now I'm not, so I'm using rescue time is still on there, but just as a, as a side note, quick tip, um, it's a thing that sits on your desk that you move for time tracking, which has been right now. I'm time tracking. This is car, my content creation piece, just so you know. Uh, but, but it's so awesome to have something on your desk, just as a little side note, if you want to up level your rescue time. Oh, that is interesting. Right. Yep. <laughs> I'm a geek. I know random things. Exactly. Tinular. That's, that's going to be the next one. And, and, you know, something interesting about what you just said, though, is you you block your time. This is content creation time. Heck yeah. Everything is batched. Yeah. 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 These days of coaching game. Yeah. I mean, it. when I only have so many hours to work, I want to – one thing that I really learned, um, which I, I – <laughs> 
I wish I learned sooner, um, especially as a mom, is that before I would be guilty when I wasn't with my kids and I was working. I was like, oh, I should be with my kids, right? And then when I was working, when I was with my kids, I felt guilty I wasn't working because I had so many things that I wanted to do, right? And when you just flip that on its head and go, you know what? I'm really intentional when I'm working and I'm having a ball. And when I'm with my kids, I'm really intentional about being with them, right? Mm -hmm. No screen Sundays and really trying to like connect with them. That's so much better than the guilt crap that I gave myself (laughs) beforehand. So as a side note, I told you I can talk forever. So you better watch out. (laughs) No, I had to learn that. I had to learn that, you know, it was just grind it out all the time. No time for anything. You know, I got stuff to do. I got stuff to do. I got stuff to do. And not realizing that, oh, wait a minute. I really need to block out time. I used to, and then I got away from it as things got busier. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs make that mistake when they're trying to get to that next level of everything is the business and everything's not because it doesn't give you any real quality of life. So no, thank you for that. That was, that was nice and random, but it was a good thing to focus on. <laughs> I do have ADD. So things can be random sometimes. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Jamie, other than uh, ownerbox.com, what are the best places to find you online? Well, first, I want to make sure I give you um, a link because I'm going to put the time audit. Um, so I have a whole um, video thing on what to do for the time audit side. Oh, cool. um, and I, I, I created a landing page for all your amazing people. So if you go oh. to uh, eventualmillionaire.com slash, I think, space between. Okay. Um. Yeah, I think that's where it is. Um, space between. Uh, we'll we'll link up to the um, the time audit. I'll give the link to the owner box side of things, and and I'll throw in a couple other goodies for like the team test and some other things um, for your people, so that they can take a look all for free, and they don't have opt in. So don't, well, some of them might, but but that way you can grab some stuff and and really level up. Um, but otherwise, you can find me on Eventual Millionaire also because I'm doing weekly shows with millionaires. So if you like podcasts, I got that too. Nice. Awesome. And it is right there. So, yep. (laughs) Well, cool. Jamie, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And are you on Twitter more or Facebook or Instagram? What's your social media? I'm on all of them. I'm doing a lot more on LinkedIn or Instagram than anything. Yeah, we've been getting a lot more traction on those platforms. Instagram's a little bit more of my uh, personal side. So if you want to add me on that, it's a little less business, a little more Jamie wears weird costumes and and, and has fun with, <laughs> you know, uh, game night and all that fun stuff, geekiness. Um, but LinkedIn is definitely a place to connect with me on too. Yeah, no, LinkedIn has been uh, awesome for me. And I, I've been focusing on it more over the past couple of years. So now I'm, I'm glad to hear that one. All right. I love it. Well, cool. Thank thank you so much, Jamie, for coming on to the show. And I really appreciate it. Thanks for the link, guys. I will have that in the show notes for you. And uh, Jamie, as always, it has been a blast. Thank you. Have an amazing day, Vernon. All right. That was an amazing interview with Jamie. Uh, You know, it is always a pleasure to talk to her. Uh, I love it when we run into each other at conferences, although I haven't seen Jamie now. I think it's been at least a couple of years uh, that we haven't seen each other in person, Um, but I definitely keep up with her podcast and everything that she's working on. Definitely make sure to check her out at eventualmillionaire.com. It is one of the best podcasts out there because there's so much knowledge in one place Go back, listen to some of the interviews. If you just listen to her last five interviews, interviews, you'll learn a lot about um, 
her latest guest was talking about buying businesses and uh, the the pro- the process of acquisitioning a business, uh, buying a, an already profitable business, and then using uh, your skills that you currently have, your digital marketing skills, your video skills, whatever it is, um, and making more out of the business to either sell it or make a profit or something like that. He didn't specifically say your like your video skills and stuff like that. I don't want to misrepresent the interview. But it's the process of buying businesses to add to a portfolio of businesses that you own. Really interesting interview. You guys should definitely check it out over at eventualmillionaire.com. Um, Jamie has put together something really special for us. If you go to eventualmillionaire.com slash space between, uh, all the stuff that she talked about, uh, the, the process flow, all her tips, they're right there. And uh, she created that just special for my audience. There's no opt-in or anything else like that. You can definitely opt into the site. And I do invite you to get onto her email list. There's some good stuff there. And she's also launching or has launched OwnerBox, which is really interesting. Helping owners get from, you know, where they're already making $10,000, dollars $30,000 a month to dollars dollars $100,000 a month. And I know that those numbers are... Those numbers are not real for a lot of people. You know, $20,000 a month is not real for a lot of people. And for a lot of people, it is. But she's been working in that space for such a long time that she knows how to help people get processes in place, get teams in place, be more effective. And she's doing it with OwnerBox. So make sure to check that out, eventualmillionaire.com slash space between And one thing that Jamie said in the interview that I want to make sure I leave you guys with is that you can't, you really can't grow your business when you're, when you're working in your business instead of on your business. Um, That's something that entrepreneurs, solopreneurs run into a lot where we're spending so much time trying to do everything instead of systematizing things and instead of bringing in teams and effective teams. And making sure those teams are trained in, in doing the stuff that we need them to do. Um, it takes discipline and it's worth the time to actually develop a good team so that you can get the things done that you need to get done. Uh, something that I'm incorporating more and more into my business um, as the year goes on and as I do more in business I actually have to incorporate assistance and stuff like that. So uh, definitely worth checking Jamie out. And uh, you can find her everywhere. Go out to eventualmillionaire.com. So before we get out of here, I want to make sure, uh, check out the book, Master Your Message, The Guide to Finding Your Voice in Any Situation. It's one of the ways that I can, uh, you can help support the show, pick up a copy of the book. There will be a link in the show notes. You can find me everywhere, Vernon at VernonRoss.com, VernonRoss.com. And you can find me at Ross PR on Twitter, at Ross PR on Instagram. I'm not that much on Snapchat anymore. And uh, connect to me on LinkedIn. I do a lot of stuff on LinkedIn. I communicate uh, pretty much every day. I'm on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a, a super effective network. Jamie and I talked about it. So if you're looking at where can you be more effective, LinkedIn is definitely one of those places. And with that, I'm going to go ahead, get out of here, and I will see you guys in the next episode. Mm-hmm.